about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I'm Kaylee Legrand. And I'm Tanya Bivin. <laughs> and we have a third person already here with us. First of all, we're hanging out in Tanya's little apartment and it fucking is the artist box of the week. But we have a different artist that has joined us and he's not doing the same art that we've been doing. We've been doing a lot of yoga, holy amounts of yoga, balancing holy it out. chaturangas. Chaturangas and Reno. Chaturanga, I, man! I think it's a balance, especially for Ninja Turtles like us. The third Ninja Turtle in the room. Holy crap, we need a fourth. Where's Alex? Next time. So, you have a duo partner. I'm saying you to our third partner in crime here tonight. Um, why don't you introduce yourself so our audience knows who the F I'm talking about. Happy Chaturangas, everybody. Uh, <laughs> this, this is Philippe Dimas coming straight at you from the sewer. It's hang tight, cowabunga, chaturanga, pizza all day. Let's go. Oh my god, he is already definitely one of us. It makes me real happy that you pretend like you know what we're talking about. One of us! One of us! I regret everything. <laughs> Thanks for having me, everybody. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, bye. <laughs> um, so, Philippe, I've known for, oh my god, how long have we known each other? Uh, five-ish years-ish? Maybe a bit more? Has it been five-ish years? I thought I knew you for five-ish years. How long have we known each other? I don't even know. I don't even know how we two. met each other. No, we actually still don't. When people ask us how we met, we still make up stories because <laughs> we never remember. Oh, you're like the Joker. Just every time it's a different origin story. Oh, I love that. that. <laughs> we should make up some fucked up stories. Okay. jokes. That's going to be the series we create. It's an origin story every episode. <laughs> That's how you pitched this to me. <laughs> That's our lives. Okay. You just get to change every second. Your molecules are always changing, dude. Kawabanga, roll with it. So we know one another. I say we pointing towards Philippe. Um, from the comedy community. Yeah. The underground improv hip-hop zone. Uh, why Very you... little hip-hop involved. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you're Very not hip to the hop of what improv is, then you have never lived on that stage. Why don't you tell... Uh, our audience, how you got into that world. Into the improv world? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, started, I uh, probably started back about a decade ago while in high school, me and a, a few buddies started filming sketch comedy together just on a dinky old camera. Uh, dinky old camera, threw, filmed some sketches, threw them up on YouTube, did that for a while, and then went to university at Ryerson University, started doing some stand-up, and through that, Heard about improv classes and it's a way to improve your comedy and stand and stuff. So I took a. <laughs> Sorry, there's a crazy cat in the audience today. It's oh my god, he'll be talking about haunting a lot. us. Talk yeah. over him. I will. Uh, I won't. It will interrupt me constantly. But yeah, I took a, an improv class to like improve my sketch writing and stand up writing and stuff, and then just kind of spiraled out from there. And now it's primarily what I do over the others. Yeah, it kind of took control. It. It is. You do a lot of the improv and the sketch and the producing of the shows. How many hours a week would you say? Because this is this is who Philippe is. He does comedy all the fucking time, whether he tries to or not. We laugh at you. 
What oh, no. would you say? <laughs> with you, not at you. I said at. I'm going to stand by my step. Yeah, Kaylee wasn't wrong. No. Uh, <laughs> how many hours a week do you put into all of the above? The improv, the sketch, the producing, that world that you live in? How mm-hmm. many hours a week are you putting in? Oh, no. I didn't know I'd have to do math. Uh... Um, I sent you an email about the math required <laughs> for this not. podcast. We are mathematicians. You literally never emailed me. <laughs> uh, that's our improv skills at work right there. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's pro- I want to say 40 because that seems like the full-time job answer. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's weird because it's not something, it's not like you clock in and you're like, I'm going to do comedy from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. today. It's like just, but especially you... if you're writing or like working on producing a show, it's kind of something that's always actively going on. With Is you. there ever a day in the week that you take off from it? Uh, no, not usually. There's one, uh, I've been on that whole, uh, like no zero days thing mm-hmm. where so like every day I try that to do like it. sounds like a least... diet and I hate it. What? Yeah, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's the whole self-motivation thing where it's like every day you have to do at least one small thing. Even if it's, if you're writing a script, even if it's you let write one line of dialogue that you have to get that done. Like you can't have any day where you do nothing. Do you ever have a day where you only write one line of dialogue oh, absolutely. and you hate it? Yeah. I get home <laughs> and you're like, I wish I would have yeah. done nothing at all. Yeah, I boot up my computer, I load the script writing program, and then I just type in one line of dialogue and I go, there you go, I did a thing. Well, you and know what, it, but in a sense, you did, and that's all that really matters. Yeah. If you're yeah. training your brain to actually do something every mm-hmm. single day, then it's it's like it's like meditation. We were just talking about today, we have a meditation app that we both use, and it counts it, it counts the days that you are, are meditating consecutively, and if you miss one, it, it, it's just one of those... What, what's it called? Like, um, it's a motivational tool or a, a, it's called Headspace. Oh, Headspace. Um, Jack, stop meowing. Um, it's, it's one of those, um, yeah, I can't think of the word right now, but like a a motivational tool that, that keeps you going every day so that you're committed. And as soon as you stop doing it, if you break that routine, it, the counter drops back to zero. Yeah. Yeah. So you can like, unlock these badges or like the, the amount of days that you get they, they congratulate you it's a um oh, the word will come to me halfway through I don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> i use a similar app called habitica with a few people in the toronto comedy scene Habitica. And, yeah and basically what it does is it turns your like accomplishments and doing tasks into a video game and you're all in a party together and you fight bad guys and you like have a checklist of things you want to do every day like for mine my daily goals are uh, write, work out, and like consume some sort of new art, like either like watch something or read something I've never watched or read before. And then every time you don't do one of those things, the bad guy hurts your team and does damage. So it's kind of like motivating amongst your friends and peers because it's like, oh, you better get that stuff done so we don't die to this monster. And like, oh my God, I love yeah. that. And it's, it's great. And yeah, it's kind of like everyone working together to complete tasks and motivate each other. Are most of the people in your group gamers? uh ish like uh, most of them play games and stuff like that because it sounds very game based yeah there's like no actual video game components to it other than that element it's just like you don't have to like mash buttons or anything like that or you don't have to like control anything you just complete tasks throughout the day and as you get stuff done you earn experience points and deal damage to bad guys and if you don't get stuff done you take Deal damage, damage. damage. You yeah. deal damage. Yeah. I bet. Mean, that's like my favorite new nuanced saying. <laughs> I will deal damage at your way. Deal damage. I'm a fucking dealer of I can damage. Tell you, you do not play video games. No, no, <laughs> I, I do not. Actually, I. 
Okay, I grew up, I've already mentioned this on another episode, we had a comedian who was, um, his entire album was based off of games, being a gamer, mm-hmm. and so we talked about how, like, the only gaming that I ever really experienced, I wanted other games when I was growing up, but my parents were um, selective in what experiences I would have in my life, and so I grew up playing in television, which is the Nintendo of the 60s, mm-hmm. because it was literally my parents, my, my dad's when he was a kid. And he waited until I like moved out to buy Xbox and all of the other. Like, <laughs> um, actually, I think Just it was kidding. like right before. It was like my 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 university formative years. And so it, whenever I would come back, like I'd have, I'd still be spending time in the summers back at my parents' place. And he would anytime I would have, especially any guy friends over, like. Well, behold, he'd be taking them. The, I it lost to me. They would be because my dad would be like, "Whoa, uh, someone who wants to like play? You want to play Xbox?" Because he would play by himself. I don't know why he waited. He could have been playing with me as I was growing up, but he chose to wait to buy Xbox for once I moved <laughs> out. And uh, and so I never really got to experience. Like I craved it, and I play it at my friends' places because they always had it. I had in television. So I, they I are ColecoVision. I have no idea what that is. I think it was after in television. Okay. But it was like a stick. Like the 70s. <laughs> it was fun. A single stick and a single button. Yeah, one single button and one single stick. Mm-hmm. Those are the only games I know. Anything past like Sega, I'm out. Was it like racing games, driving games, flying Airplane games? Airplane games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a joystick. Yeah, it was a joystick. Yeah. Oh, my dad did have a joystick for the computer and he played... See, I was never allowed to play games. I think that I was sheltered in a way that um, all the games that my dad played when I was growing up were things like Doom. I remember Doom specifically. I would like sneak into the room and watch. It would be like super fun. Like I wanted to watch the games. But my mom didn't like the fact that Doom and all the games that my dad played, because he's ex-military. So all the games he played were shoot 'em ups He called them shoot 'em ups mm-hmm. just like a shoot 'em up movie. And he would literally just be like, moving around with his guns and, and waiting until like people popped around the corner and blowing their heads and guts out with with oh what <laughs> somebody's on instagram over in the corner over there he scared me a little bit um he'd be shooting people as uh, like with this five-year-old who comes in the room and being like what are you doing this is really cool oh my god you're murdering <laughs> <laughs> so i wasn't really allowed to play games but that app sounds super interesting because it makes me think of like Lord of the Flies and the. <laughs> I'm curious how. <laughs> the lessons yeah, how, that you learned. Okay, everyone read Lord of the Flies <laughs> in elementary that was school. Like mm-hmm. Elementary, no, high school. The whole point. Oh, maybe I'm early. Well, I'm sure like 10th grade English class, but. Close so, enough. whatever. The moral same, of the story is that, power you know. Corrupts. you Is that power corrupts, but if you work together as a team, you can overcome all the evil in the world. And then kill the kid no one likes. And then. <laughs> Kill the pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the moral I took from it. But clearly we had different standards of the book. Um, but that's, it, it reminds me of like the reason why you have an app that is, has a collective experience like that. Mm-hmm. It, it It is psychologically, it mo- motivates you to want to also have that connective tissue in society and, and building something together. Like it yeah. is a motivating factor. Well, yeah, at least to me, the most motivating thing is having someone relying on you. So to have that extra kick of like, Oh no, if you don't do this, these people will know. Yeah. And then that's like the really way to do it. Like myself and a friend of mine, uh, Andrew, who, you know, mm-hmm. he, uh, the two of us, the past month, we're like, okay, this month we're going to write, we're both going to write screenplays. 
and whoever doesn't has to pay the other person 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. And so we both got them done because so no one wants to lose that bet. It wasn't about who finished first. It was just it was just get it done. You have 30 okay. days to get it done. Okay. That's it. Or and 200 then, bucks down. Yeah, exactly. That's good. I like mm -hmm. that. Because it's also not a competitive nature. It's not like whoever finishes first doesn't have to pay the other person. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just it's more of a team building just do exercise. It, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, do it, and if you don't, you'll let someone down, and also you'll be out two hundred bucks. It's more so, so letting yourself down. It's more so letting yourself down. No, it's like more so two hundred bucks for me. I'm like, Fuck <laughs> that! I won't pay that shit. Look, we all have different motivations. <laughs> Fuck the friends, but the money I could use. Mm -hmm. um, what's your script about? Fine. Uh, it was an action comedy about basically a group of friends that learn about the FBI's most wanted list, nice. and then that there's a bounty attached to them. So they go become try to become bounty hunters and chase down these criminals. Oh my god! Sick. Okay, my Can I be in it. My, <laughs> are you gonna produce it too? Yeah. My former car. I'm still former trying to car. name. I'm still trying to name my new car. Former car. My, you speak about it like it's an ex lover. <laughs> uh, my so former car. Her name was um, Domino. Have you ever seen the movie Domino about the bounty hunter? No. Kieran Knightley. That was named after the pizza. Um. No, I don't like Domino. I will admit it right now. They're not going to be a sponsor of ours. I don't like Domino Pizza. Uh, no. I have issues with them. Mainly, their gluten-free options. Um, I love the movie Domino with Keira Knightley. And so my old car's name was Domino. Because she was a fucking badass. Like, I took her off-roading. I should not have. It was mm -hmm. an old Kia Rio with no power assist steering. She was just fucking aggressive. But she went through hell and back to the regular world with me. And now I have a car that like does everything for me. She's... Except you can't connect your phone to it anymore. Oh, something's wrong with, yeah, her computer system. Um, her brain's a little fried these days, but, but she is, she's a lot gentler. I would not take her off-roading, I just wouldn't. She's, she's kind of a classy bitch and it's annoying. Um, but I haven't thought of a name for her, and I'm trying to rename her. So if you think of something that is related, like still makes me feel like I'm a badass when I get into my car, but she's not even automatic. Papa John. Or she is automatic. Papa John. Yeah. Yeah. Or Pizza Hut. Um, definitely no to both. <laughs> Pizza Hut the Camry. It's not a Camry. Doesn't matter. That's its name. You've been in my car. Pizza I almost, Hut the I rolled up onto the side of a sidewalk and almost hit you in it one day. Yeah, that was a blessing. I didn't have to take the bus on that day. I know. <laughs> he was standing. He just finished a, an, audi um, an audition, and I happened to be driving around man casting, and noticed Fleet standing on the corner waiting to cross. So I decided to be a jackass, much like the cat sitting beside you, uh, and. Instead of stopping at the stoplight, I decided to just curve my way over up onto the sidewalk and honk yep. my horn. I was like, oh, I'm getting kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. What kind of way? So, you're a writer. You're a comedian. You do the live stuff. You do the improv. You make things up on a day-to-day -day basis as a human being as well. Mm -hmm. uh, why? What's your goal? What, what, if you have an end goal in the next couple of years, what is it that you're working towards? Oh, God. Uh, this is on, a job interview. I forgot to mention world Oliver. domination. <laughs> Good answer. Yes. Oh, obviously. Uh, I don't know. What's anyone's end goal in this? Is that a cop-out answer? Kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, just to become self-sustaining with the art. Like my whole thing was, I someone has said this before. I forget who, but like, as great as it would be to be like, oh, like blow off successful, super rich, like killing it. 
like making millions of dollars doing comedy and art and film tv and stuff like that like that'd be amazing but also like if you can make like a teacher salary doing comedy like that's that'd successful nice. like that'd be yeah. great like enough so that you can take success. vacations in the summer yeah exactly mm -hmm. and by uh, vacations we mean making our own movies yeah so mm -hmm. yeah just become self-sustaining which has been nice the past few years just kind of doing taxes at the end of the year and being like oh this percentage of my income is now from art and this percent and every year it's going up a little bit so it's okay keep up that path yeah, Did yeah you make yeah. a chart a chart. No. Wait, chart of my art. <laughs> chart of my art. The art chart. Everyone step apart for this chart of my art. Wow, do you write that yourself right now? Yes, it's part of my freestyle rap from hip hop and improv. Uh, what you do, um, you are actually a brilliant comedy song writer. So for those who don't tune in to our live IG, you shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It sounded That's like you're saying shouldn't. It sounds like you're saying shouldn't. It's, it, can it's you just yelling. Pronounce it's it probably yelling. Say you should. Can you just be clearer for our audience? Um, should. There you go. Thank you. Not. Um, <laughs> so weird. It just sounds like the opposite of what I want to hear. Uh, Tanya and I like to dank Disney it up on our Instagram, especially when we're getting ready to go out. Um, we put Disney songs on, karaoke style, and live feed our musical, our impromptu musical in, in her apartment getting ready. Um, and we have been getting some great requests, which led to a moment of realization that we should be doing more of it. So one night we messaged you saying, you know what we need to do? We need to write our own songs. And you responded within seconds of like the perfect parody for one of our favorite uh, Disney songs. And those will be coming out soon, guys. We'll be shooting those soon. But you have such a knack when it comes to the dumbest rhyming schemes. And I say dumb in the worst <laughs> possible way. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Um, have you always been into music when it comes to your art? Uh, yeah, I've always liked it. I've liked music. I've always liked it, which is my tragedy because I'm not musically talented outside of like being able to write rhymes once in a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got no musical talent myself. But no, I've always like, I grew up listening to a lot of like comedy musicians and stuff like that. Uh, people like The Lonely Island and uh, when Childish Gambino was kind of more comedy and jokey, he's a bit more serious now and stuff like that. But Bo Burnham, stuff like that, Tim Minchin. And uh, yeah, just always, even like Eminem and his earlier stuff is like very goofy, very silly. A lot of these like fun wordplay rhymes. My bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny with the demonstration, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I've always loved that fun wordplay and stuff, which is why I have so much fun doing like shows in Toronto, like rap battles. Because uh, I just, I think it's such a fun skill to get to utilize that fun like wordplay, throwing like puns and kind of double entendres together and just goofy and zany. Uh, yeah, using like, the form of the art or the form of the music to kind of craft a little narrative of comedy that made no sense <laughs> um to all of our listeners out there who are smoking the ganji they completely they're riding the same they're way. riding it yeah uh yeah no there's a better way to describe that uh we actually had somebody one of our, somebody we know send a picture to us of like all of this is not to endorse or not endorse the smoking of the ganja but yeah. just somebody, someone sent a picture to us of all of the weed that they had purchased and smoked for the day before they watched like one of our films it was the, it was the most interesting thing um don't worry everyone is on the same wavelength nice. the name. but yeah i think what i was trying to say is like much how a lot of 
like you see a lot of sketch comedy and even improv comedy has some sort of form around it. Like we do improv, you know, the Herald where it's like, these are the beats you have to hit while you do Everyone listening also knows what the Herald is. Exactly. That's where I'm lying. No one knows <laughs> or, what the, fine, F- the, the Herald is. For, for writers, like, you know, like the, the hero's journey and stuff, like these are the beats yeah. of hits. And uh, music, it's like a lot of the same way where it's just like, okay, you've got like your introduction then the verses, the chorus and mm-hmm. stuff. And like, it's a lot of the same narrative structure. You go into the bridge at the end. Everyone knows. It's Everyone just a different knows. narrative structure. For those who aren't aware of what the Herald is, and they're still like sitting there going, what the fuck are you guys talking about? I really want to understand who Harold is. Harold is um, a boyfriend. And... <laughs> All the jokes. Um, Harold is the typical structure of what a long-form improv... Or, or there are different formats you can use... Basically, as a template, when you step onto a stage to create long-form improv, which means you're stepping on the stage with nothing, but to understand where you're going structurally in your storytelling, the Herald is the most well-known and adored format that improvisers use to create storytelling. So it's, the best example would probably be something like Seinfeld, where you have, you have the four main characters, and you are in different scenes introduced to... Diff- there are four different storylines, and um, over the course of an episode, understand how those storylines fit together. Yeah. So. You create an A, B, and a C plot, and at the end, they all come together. Okay, don't give away the actual secrets. Like, I was being vague. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now everyone's going to go on improv show and be like, I fucking uh, couldn't have done any of that. <laughs> saturated the improv market. Right? jeez. <laughs> oh, the damn improv market. My Actually, Tony and I were talking about that when we went to, um, when we did the Bad Dog show, before we went off to um, TIFF, we, we were talking about how... Um, there are just so many talented writers and performers, comedians here in Toronto that are practicing on such a regular basis in these spaces, places like Bad Dog, places like Comedy Bar, places like uh, Second City, and before they even hit main stage, even the main stage. I mean, it's still not super well known in the entertainment industry at large, but some of the most talented, some of the most gifted people that I've ever met in um, storytelling, just in general, the, the geniuses that come together to create magic on stage, mm-hmm. they all live in these underground spaces. Um, as far as that transition goes from how it's cultivated in that underground world and sprouting to the top, maybe specifically in Toronto, what do you see with the the industry here in the city because it's been changing over the past couple of years and a lot of the people that have been in our circles and in those underground worlds are now coming out of the ground out of the woodwork with shows like Beaverton for example maybe mm-hmm. you can talk a little bit about your work with the Beaverton so what do you see with the shifts in the industry here and what has your experience with shows like that been um the one thing I'm noticing a lot is stuff is getting uh, a lot weirder and more creative hmm. i mean i think that's kind of like the whole like internet culture thing where it's like now you get a, you're exposed to so much stuff and you could see like i mean not even 20 years ago if you wanted to see like stand-up or sketch comedy you were limited to like who was performing in your city that weekend hmm. and nowadays you can like go on netflix and see the best of the best do it so now like for local stuff if you want to compete with like some of that what's going to go on netflix and watch like the like Mr. Show or watch like Patton Oswalt and Nikki Glaser's newest specials. If you want to compete against that, then your options are either like become better than these superstars or do something very different and weird and strange. They'll entertain in more ways than they are. 
And so, yeah, we're seeing a lot of like alt shows, a lot of zany goofiness. Uh, you brought up the Beaverton with that, like it's a lot of satire and goofiness and stuff like that, which is, uh, yeah, anytime we publish something, the stuff that's most successful I've noticed is stuff that combines reality with the weird, like mm-hmm. as most satire does, but like we'll take something that's in the news and then put just the dumbest possible twist on it. And then those are the ones that seem to do the best when you just like kind of point out how obnoxiously weird the world is right now, especially these days. And just kind of mock it and go like, kind of hold up the mirror and be like, this is dumb and we're dumb. And this made up reality isn't too far off of our own. You've become a regular writer for them, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so you develop a lot of their online content, their their copy. Uh, what are some of these weird spins you're talking about? What are some of the weird stories that you've had come out on their publications? Mm-hmm. Uh, myself? Um, I had one come out a few days ago, just kind of mocking the whole, uh, mocking the Ontario government's policy of their switching the sex ed curriculum back to the 1998 model, uh-huh. which is absurd. And Good just, old Ford. Yep. Yep. And so students to rightfully protest this have been walking out of class. So we just put up an article talking about like new sex, cur- new sex ed curriculum already has students pulling out and mm-hmm. just kind of like mocking like, yeah, this double entendre of like, yeah, this is so bad that one, kids are going to be having wrong opinions about sex and doing the wrong thing, such as the pullout method. And two, they're literally pulling out of class. Like they're literally taking it into their own hands to walk out of class because the children at this point are smarter than the adults. And we need to acknowledge that. <laughs> Would you say that a lot of your work is politically inclined? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, some of it, is, I mean... I guess it depends how deep you want to look because I do a lot of sports stuff too because I love the sports and but usually those have some sort of silly social commentary behind it too. So you just you sounded like me and Tanya when we're at bars we're like I yeah the sports. The, the sports the sports everyone's cheering for games we're like the sports I hate those people <laughs> I hate it when I'm at a bar trying to watch a hockey game and people are mocking it <laughs> um I yell touchdown every time I score you're the worst human I, I know. know well obviously you already knew that yeah, right. and you still game because we have wine yeah yeah it's it's boxed you wine. Saw me with boxed wine. <laughs> but you do write about a lot about sports as well you yeah. have your own like, would you say that most of your own personal online channels are sports related? Is that kind of how you're niching yourself? Uh, unintentionally, I guess. Yeah. I just kind of do whatever makes me laugh and entertains me. And oftentimes that is sports. So yeah, a lot of, it's funny once in a while I'll scroll through my own Twitter timeline to see if like there's anything that I maybe shouldn't have said. And so often it's just, me talking to myself about sports and no one replying like no one counter arguing it at all just me going I'll on reply a rant. touchdown to everything yeah. oh wonderful i'm gonna block you on twitter <laughs> no you love my twitter yeah. feed it's very irregular and most of the time it's about unicorns pizza wine mostly wine yeah the keely legrand that's mostly mostly legrand i get my name pronounced so many different ways Kaylee i respond LeGrande. to anyone these days but legrand Le Grand Fromage is what I used to I say. learned, this is totally off topic, but I learned that we've all been pronouncing Ariana Grande's name wrong. What, what is mean? it? It's Grandee. She says Grandee, and she's just never corrected anyone. Oh my god, that's She calls okay. herself Ariana Grandee. We're basically related. Grande <laughs> is better than Grandee. Grandee yeah. just sounds wrong. No, but Grande has also already been appropriated by Starbucks. True. So, you know, be different. Be mm-hmm. you. Be unicorn. Be Grandee. Be Grandee. Be Grandee. Yeah, man. 
Um, so a lot of the stuff that you're doing is sports related. Some is political in nature, but most of it is just being so dumb. Yeah. Um, speaking of all of the weird eclectic stuff that you do, you produce a show called the disaster. <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly what you were talking about that what you believe you should be doing, mm-hmm. striving towards as an artist or your best possible way to break through, but also uh, just seems to be your personal preference. Your nature is to, to lean towards the, not so much, I guess you could say kids in the hall esque being um, very out there, being very different, mm-hmm. but uh, for the times that you're in, but you produce a show called The Disaster. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what, what it is so people understand why I'm calling you such a weirdo. Uh, yeah, so basically the format of The Disaster is we, uh, myself and my co-producer, Alex Klienko, we find performers we like in the city and performers we, th- we think will fit the style of the show, and we basically tell them they've got five to ten minutes to do whatever they want as long as it's not traditional comedy. And uh, it gets really, really weird sometimes, which is exactly what we wanted. Because when we started the show five years ago, we kind of noticed that, like, all comedy in the city kind of, like, was part of some sort of circle. Like, oh, if you wanted kind of, like, point of view sketch comedy, you went to Second City. And if you wanted kind of, like, observant stand-up, you went to Yuck Yucks and stuff like that. If you wanted kind of a bit weirder alt stand-up, there was the Rivoli. Uh if, but, like, there was no place to just be, like, weird and dumb. Like, we were like, oh, what if you just want to stand on stage and, like, smash uh, silverware for, like, ten minutes straight? And you found that so funny. But, like, you had no place to do this. Like, you just wanted to stand on stage with a hammer and smash spoons for ten minutes. And to you, that was the funniest thing in the world. Where would you do this? So we started the show called The Disaster, and we told people, like, hey, if the way we pitched it to people initially was, if you've ever had an idea for something you thought was hilarious, and you told someone that idea and they went that's stupid that won't work we want you to come do that idea like that's what we want to see you do uh so because of that luckily we've had some people do some crazy stuff like absolutely insane and it's my favorite show in the city and i know i'm kind of biased because i produce it but i just love i love seeing what people come up with when they don't have restrictions like when you just tell them they can do whatever they want as long as it's not traditional, and as long as there's a comedy element to it. Well, and yeah. in all fairness, it's probably one of the longest-running independent comedy shows, live comedy shows, mm-hmm. in the city. I don't know how many other... Uh, it's up there, yeah. Uh, like, theater sports is the longest. That's been going on for, like, 25 years, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a benchmark for yeah. most people starting their own shows. Yeah, theater sports is the longest. And then Rap Battles has a few years on us, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then... We're we're not too far behind Rapidals. I think Rapidals is like eight years now, and we're five. Yeah. So yeah. Did you ever expect the kind of growth that you experienced? Um, it because it has up... its own following. Yeah. It, it has. Um, it, it's also become this this beautifully safe space for um some of the top comedians in the city mm-hmm. to come and um feel like they can experiment and push, really yeah. push the boundaries of, of where they've been living as far as their comedy mm-hmm. goes. Um, it, it's, it's not only started attracting some of these top comedians, but it's, it's, it's built its own following of people who know that it's going to be a good time no matter what. Like yeah. you might, you might hate what's going up there. It might push buttons in the wrong way, but it's always pushing buttons. It's always an experience. Yeah, we've, uh, I think that's part of the reason the show's success is we've got this kind of like, kind of almost hipster-esque 
uh, pop indie falling. And uh, there's some, like, a woodpecker going on the door. I don't, it's terrifying. Oh, Tanya's neighbor's a woodpecker. Oh, fair. Yeah. But, yeah, we've got, so it's kind of collected this kind of, like, punk rock following because, uh, one, we hosted in the back of a bar right now, although we've expanded out to Bad Dog, so the location's changing. Mm-hmm. But That's when, awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was the last show that I came to see. And yeah. by the end of the show, I was led outside down a fire escape. Uh, mm-hmm. The performer at the time, the pers- the set that was happening, the performer actually guided everybody out because of some... Uh, uh, a false a fire false alarm. false fire alarm. And then he had the shit like beat out of him. He, he was robbed. He was, he was mugged. He had all his clothes stolen. He was then naked and like ready to be beaten. And then the... <laughs> The robber ended up like running away for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's the show. Yeah, that's essentially if you go yeah. see the disaster, that's what you're in for. Yeah, but yeah, we built this kind of this indie following because when the show started, the big thing Alex and I said was we wanted to be free because it's going to be weird, and since it's going to be weird and different, we can't guarantee it'll always be a plus. Luckily, the performers we were able to find are so talented that they've often been making it a plus for us. Or like, since this is going to be weird, since this is going to be strange and very different, we want to make it free because we want anyone to be able to come and see this and experience this. And like, we would rather have an audience of 50 and make no money off it than have an audience of like 10 and make 50 bucks off it or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was our mindset going in. And because of that, we got uh, Alex and I both like, before we got into comedy, Alex still does, I mean, not so much anymore. But before we got into comedy, we went to a lot of like punk rock indie shows around the city. And uh, so we invited all those friends out. We're like, hey, you guys like weird, kind of like against the system stuff. Come see this. It's the comedy version of that. And luckily, five years later, a lot of those people still come out to do nearly every show. Oh, that's and, awesome. Like, it's, yeah, it's these great non-performers that anytime we have uh, like performers on the show, they're like, who are all these faces? We're like, it's our little disaster minions. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and you were saying, yeah, we've been able to attract some bigger names lately. And uh, yeah, there was a bit of a moment of pride the other day because... Our good friend Roger Bainbridge did the show, and he did the show because he was uh, preparing for his Just for Last 42 set, amazing. and I was just like, Roger oh. Bainbridge, first of all, he's the perfect fit for this show. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. So he's hilariously so weird. weird. But I was just like, oh, it's cool that someone's using the disaster to warm up for a Just for Last 42 show, because that means this weirdness is getting more mainstream, which is exactly what I was talking That's about exciting. earlier. That's like, exciting. What did he do for your show? He, did he put uh, makeup on? Uh, no, no makeup, but he, because at Just Flaps 42, he was doing, like, a showcase of characters, and so he just did one of his characters, and it was, like, this loud, screechy, uh, kind of wild child-type character, and I'm not going to attempt it because I won't do it justice, but it was just such a funny, goofy, insane character, and he just stood on stage shouting and doing these silly accents and, like, doing the dialogue with three people at once, and it was just so goofy and dumb, and, yeah, the audience ate it up. Oh, I adore, yeah. okay. The first time that I ever saw him perform was years ago at like a Second City Fall Ball, mm-hmm. and I I think it was the same. No, it was the year before I performed, and it, it was kind of that ticket to allow me to to do whatever I wanted. I felt freer after watching him, and he, the way that he put makeup, he had just the weirdest makeup was all over his face it wasn't in any kind of fashion that you would ever see anywhere mm-hmm. um and the voice that he brought onto the stage and the way that he traveled through the audience off the stage was was he stuck in my mind like a thor sum in the best possible way and and i've seen him perform on multiple occasions and go to watch get some every once in a while um another troupe that he is part of and i remember one of the 
shows that I watched him in, one of the most recent shows, he just spent... I, I Actually, I think that um, one of the treatment members actually introduced the set, not the set, the... Um, premise of the sketch that he created by walking out and saying okay so we do sometimes do some eclectic things and we've given permission to our troop members to push those limits and to do some weird things and we just wanted to let you know this is one of those things uh and the entire the entire sketch was based around him shouting papa as many times as he possibly could and it was the Funniest thing that I had seen in the longest time. How do you make that funny? Only Roger Bacon should be able to do that. Very similar to what he did at the disaster this past week. Like he definitely yeah. shouted the word "papa" many times. Yeah. It was like two. Oh, so young... he's been working on it for a while. Yeah, he's been working. On it. He's been <laughs> developing this act. It's, it was yeah, two young boys shouting at their papa. Yeah. And him, the papa, shouting back. I think he just really likes saying the word "papa." It's a great word. It's a really great word. Mm -hmm. I love when the emphasis is on the wrong syllable as far oh, as the English God. language goes, and he nails it. Papa, can you hear me? It also is reminiscent of that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, you actually have another show coming up. Yeah. And um, you've been emailing me incessantly about yeah. it. Because I want people to come out and get stupid at it, because it's going to be such a disaster and not that's not a play on words on my show although my, the disaster is a part of the you can show. stop plugging the show we're done talking about that now. okay talk about this other, the other show uh yeah no it's going to be chaotic because myself and a few other people are performing improv for 24 hours straight at bad dog theater uh this saturday the 29th at 7 p.m until sunday the 30th at 7 p.m jesus christ and yeah we're performing for 24 hours straight to raise money for the theater and its inclusion program to give scholarships to uh diverse students and people in need and yeah, every hour, the format of the show is every hour. There's a different theme led by a different member of the community. And at the reason I said the disaster there is the, at 2 a.m., Alex Kalanko is going to be leading the disaster portion of the show. So there'll be a one-hour mini disaster happening in the middle of this 24-hour marathon. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, and it's just going to be chaotic and silly. And we have a 4 a.m. liquor license that day, which is why I've been telling everyone to come on out and watch so much comedy as I get exhausted and hate my life and get hella drunk throughout. Wait, how many hours are you going to be there for? All 24 hours. Wait, why? It's a 24-hour marathon. You're going to Wait, stay do you up. have to stay for all 24? Yes, that's the point of the show. Are you going to Wait, sleep? you don't have to. No, there's no sleep. Wait, there are chairs. <laughs> there are also benches. Yeah. yeah. There's also a green room. For 24 hours straight. I think Minus like five-minute breaks every if hour. If I were to be in that show, my stand-up would be me laying down sleeping. Well, it's all improv. There's no stand-up. Well, my what improv would be me sleeping. Okay, but what about this? At 9 a.m., a bunch of dogs go on stage with us and we perform with dogs. That's badass. <laughs> You'd be awake for that part. Yeah, totally. I love dogs. Are you running a particular... Alex is running an hour segment for yeah. Disaster. Are mm -hmm. you running a separate one or...? Uh, no. Uh, so I'm one of the performers. It's me and seven other people performing for twenty the 24-hour the straight and then every hour... There's, like, a group of people coming in and performing alongside us. Okay. So, like, Alex is running a disaster segment. Uh, our troop mate, Andrew Bichelle, is running another segment uh, with his troop uh, skulls where they do kind of, like, a cult-themed herald. Call back to the herald discussion earlier. Uh, the cast of She the People is coming in Stop and doing stuff. Stop telling them the secrets of how <laughs> to conduct comedy. Yeah, the cast of She the People is coming in and doing stuff. We're doing an hour of, like, Who's Line is in Any Way Style Games. 
uh, we're performing with dogs for an hour, we're performing with children for an hour. Oh, you weren't joking. Okay, what kind of dogs? Yeah. Whose dogs? What are their names? Uh, How a bunch I of dogs of performers in the city. Okay. Can I, go, can I meet them? In, can I sit in the green room and wait for you to bring them back? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can show up and watch the dogs perform. Oh, I want one. I want to steal one. Okay. okay. Yeah. Great. Be there at 9 a.m. No. Okay, done. Yeah, that's why I've been telling you to come to this show. There's Let's dogs, there's food, there's 4 a.m. I'll be chattering eating at that point. No, if it's next week, we don't have yoga. Oh, snap. Apparently, I am not allowed to yoga. I'm so I have called you out on your bluff. Apparently. Yeah. I'm a bluff caller. I've actually never improvised with a dog. Actually, that's a lie. I just improvised on set with a dog a couple of days ago for the first Does time. Does it burn on me because we do it recently? Um, um, that would be the funnier joke. No. No. That was fun. That was really fun. So Philippe <laughs> and I did a duo set. We've been... We've been writing hanging for a while and we've like been in shows together before but we've been wanting to do more duo shows together to also play around with some of our writing options and testing mm -hmm. out premises instead i just brought a bag of chips and we went from there um by the way that was supposed to last you by the way kaylee thinks all dress chips are spicy like okay. too hot for her palate spicy literally says on the bag all dressed. All of the dressings, including the spiciest. Including they, like mayonnaise. They <laughs> mayonnaise is not a spice. It's a, sure, maybe it's, it's a dressing. It may be an ingredient that they use yes. in their weird chips to hold all the other spices on. It's they're spicy. You're Don't just, just too they're, white for yeah. your own good. They're I love wasabi. I will eat a jar of it, okay? I call your bluff. No, she does. No, no, legit. I, I want a full mason jar of wasabi eaten with a spoon. Done. Next episode that we can oh, we'll yeah. do with you. Also, that reminds That's me. That's your new disaster show, eating wasabi oh, I'll do with it. a spoon. All right. That reminds Next, me. Tell me when I'm coming and I will eat an entire jar of wasabi. I would be remiss if I didn't add this on to the promotion of the 24-hour show. But like I said, we're doing a fundraiser for it. And I said, if I raise $1,000 for it, I will eat a ghost pepper and not consume any milk afterwards for 10 minutes. So we're at... You might die. No, people have done yeah, before. No, yeah, people. Yeah, but I'm And invincible. some of them die. I don't think ultra chips you are too will. spicy. That's... But <laughs> I'm at $750 right now, so if you want to push me over, uh, go find our donation page. Um, for anyone listening who also understands how spicy ultra chips are, please leave a comment. Send me an email. Make me feel like I am um, still context. part of the community of this humanity. Some I'm context is when we did that duo show together, Kaylee brought these bags of chips on stage, told this story about how she... Someone raised their hand. Someone raised their hand. Told the story about how she thinks they're too spicy. Asked if anyone it's agrees with her. It's not a story about how I think. They are. They just are. Asked if anyone agrees with her and there was an overwhelming, no, we do not agree with you. Someone politely raised their hand. I covered and my eyes from the light on the stage. 50 people booed. <laughs> I still saw a angle. I was one of them. <laughs> Rude. Best friend doesn't even endorse me. Um, okay, let's maybe shift that conversation aside and get back to your work, your your lifestyle. Um, so you do a lot of comedy, and I found that when I first joined the the comedy circuit here in Toronto, uh, there were a lot of interesting stories that made me want to start a documentary about what the actual, what the mindset is like for, uh, like in the green room, in, mm -hmm. in the backstage. You're, as, as a comedian, when you're standing on that stage, I feel like the lighting says it all. You have bright lights on you. 
what's in the front is so bright and shiny and you are on, you are funny, you are joking, you are making the audience laugh, you're aware, you're paying attention to what is being left at and you're jumping on that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in the backside, the shadows, the, the other part of your existence is this part that the audience doesn't really see, um, which also I think fits into just our theme of keeping yourself sane, that mentality, that, that, that personal space that you still have to take care of if you're going to be somebody who gives in, in the world of especially live performance, the art world of live performance, what do you do in your downtime? How do you take care of yourself to make sure that you are in the best possible, like top peak condition when you're, you're having to make yourself ready to give to an audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, a lot of it is just uh, solo recharge time, uh, especially those days where you're doing like multiple shows and you're kind of, um, usually it's not so bad if they're all in the same venue, like they're all at Bad Dog Theater, that's not too bad. But uh, even when they are just, uh, and it's so funny, I'm doing it for 24 hours straight coming up and saying this, but just mm-hmm. between shows, having You'll those You'll go like, clinically insane. Yeah, just having those five minutes just to myself, to like mentally recharge and stuff. Like minutes before the show's about to start, I like to be in the green room, like checking in with co-performers and stuff like that and kind of like making sure everyone's on the same page, you know, get that chemistry going. But I'd say the few minutes before that uh i often like to either be like sitting in one of the green room couches by myself or like off at the bar by myself somewhere maybe like watching five minutes of whatever's on tv there whatever sport game sporting matches on and uh yeah just like have that like mental kind of palate cleanser almost hmm. just like okay just did this show or just did this um even if it wasn't a show before even if i just got there from work just having like some alone time palate cleanser to kind of like like when you uh, defrag your computer and you're like, let me clear out all the junk, all those other thoughts and just kind of set a new slate and be like, okay, we're going into this. Whatever happened to the past hour or so, it doesn't matter. We're going in fresh now. So if you're sitting in the corner of the bar and you're watching the game, mm-hmm. so sports, for instance, is yeah. almost like a palate cleanser. Why? Because it's uh, trampling away from comedy. It's it's a different kind of game that yeah. you can take a look at. Uh, I think it's just, it's almost, it's something that's so different. I mean, it's, it's similar to... Like, when I was in school, I never liked to be that person, like, cramming for the exam moments before it happens. Because I was like, if I don't know it now, I'm not, it's not going to stick in. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to learn it now. That's how I feel when I get on set. If I don't know my lines already, yeah. I'm not going to learn them in the last couple of seconds. Exactly. So, I don't like to, before a show, I don't like to be there stressing out about it and worrying, like, oh, are we going to have the audience? Are we going to have this? Are we going to have this? Because when you're getting to, like, 10, 15 minutes before showtime, it's mostly out of your control at that point. And then, so that's why I like to have that little palate cleanser myself and just kind of like, okay, collect myself. Like even during the disaster show before it starts, I always kind of am off by myself for five minutes before, uh, just cause, uh, either I'm hosting or I'm doing the tech for it. So I need to be on for an hour straight after that. So just having like those five minutes to, yeah, like I said, it's kind of like defrag everything, clear the brain, reset, and then just kind of jump into it with kind of a fresh energy. It's almost like a power nap where you never actually close your eyes. Just... <laughs> I love that lifestyle. <laughs> you can actually also have a coffee and then sleep for 18 minutes and you feel great. What? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to explain that. So you tried to make me do it yesterday, but then we just drank wine. Gym. I feel like most of wine, your two both. stories end with, and then we drank wine. <laughs> and then we drank wine. That was before we started hitting record. Um, if you have, if you drink coffee mm-hmm. and then immediately take a nap, yeah. 
For 18 minutes, exactly. Specifically. 18. Specifically. That's been my, my go-to. That's my jam since high school. I take 18-minute naps. Um, hmm. I know that Einstein used to do 15 minutes every hour on the hour, I guess. Um, but you're 20% more sleepy than Einstein. <laughs> I'm 20% more efficient. <laughs> I know that my body, everybody is different. Um and the way that my body calculates sleep, actually, throughout university, I used to be a super bad insomniac. And I would wake up every, like, 20 to 30 minutes. And, and then finally... And the 24-hour show. Right? Hey, get me a slot and I'll eat wasabi. <laughs> um, but I used to wake up all the time for, like, every 20 to 30 minutes. And then I'd get sick of it and finally get out of bed after, like, four hours. Because I just couldn't handle it anymore. But if you... And, and maybe that's when I learned this this process of halfway through the day, hitting that point of like, oh, I think I'm dying. Have a coffee. <laughs> I'll sleep. Wake up 18 minutes later and you feel great. And you can keep going on with your day. Um, definitely do. Let me know how it goes and then tell the rest of the world that all dress chips are spicy. So we do a segment at the end of our show called One Cool Thing. And um, Tommy never has one. I usually have never. 18. <laughs> um, if you'd like to steal one of mine, you can let me know. I will she start. She doesn't so let that, me steal them. No, you want one of mine? I definitely would get, like, literally. But the thing is, is that I think everything's cool. I'm fucking enthralled by this world. It's so fucking weird. I've also adopted your F-bomb technique. Uh, I don't edit them out anymore. I, we now just put explicit on every episode because we swear a lot. Um, Not a family podcast. No, fuck families. Um, <laughs> beep to families. Uh, my one cool thing is... This, oh, I guess it's actually kind of a great segue. Segway woman. It's a website called where the fuck should I go for coffee.com. And it, it will find, first of all, every option that it gives you, everything that you click on has the word fuck or fucking in it. Great. I think that's why I love it. Like, Fucking and coffee are sort of my favorite things. <laughs> I like to fuck before coffee. I like to fuck Oh my after god, I coffee. love coffee after fucking. Coffee um, sex. Hi, mom. Coffee during <laughs> fucking. Okay, first like of all. Like the Energizer Bunny, just keep going. I'm drinking going coffee while I'm fucking. I'm going to get so many emails after this. Uh, you can definitely get a sponsor with that. <laughs> All our other sponsors pull yeah, out. One of those like energy drink coffees. Pull out, but pull out. Hey. Call back. I um, didn't actually mean it that way, but now that that's how everyone understands it, how about I explain Look, how much I love. Kaylee's got a mocha latte kink. <laughs> I love mocha lattes. Um, something the, the cat also loves mocha lattes. He just broke something in the background. Um, I. I have an obsession with coffee in so many ways, but I will also just mention that coffee in the morning, well, shout out to the men who want to bring, maybe that's, uh, that's, what's it called? Exclusive. This is a shout out to anyone who wants to bring their, um, fun time partner in the morning. Something that makes them just remember it all the like. If you want to boost the brain cells in the morning so that they fucking remember how great of an experience they had, bring them fucking coffee in bed. It's so easy. It is so easy. I also once had the reason why I went and bought my own coffee filter. I broke it, but I had this really cool carafe, and I was making exquisite coffee on a regular basis after 
this one guy made me, it took such time and effort to make the most beautiful coffee in the morning. And I remembered it. And it's played a role in how I process fucking. So if you, if you want to leave an impression, Jack, shut up. Shut up in the background over there. Look, and if you had a bad experience with your partner and you want them to forget about it, just a glass of microwave milk. Just bring that to them. Kind of that, drown out the awful, your awful performance from the night before. Is that your one cool thing? A microwave Yeah, glass a glass of, of microwave milk. Cool. So it's got like the skin that's developed yeah. on top. Oh, that's just, and you like, yeah, like peel a it thin off. layer. <laughs> a thin layer of milk flesh. Yummy. Oh, slowly turning Jesus. back into a cow. That is, so that, that's your one cool thing? Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. my other one cool thing is uh, the 24 Hours of Improv at Bad Dog Theater, 7 p.m. Saturday the 29th, uh, coming out for a him liquor license. Uh, yeah. Um, Let's get good. drunk. Pretty good. Make coffee in the morning. What's my one cool thing? thing is cat sitting. Oh, my God. Animal life. sitting. Hey, Jack. Because I can have pets, but they're not mine, and I can give them back, just like babysitting, because I love cats. And babies, but I don't want them. Jack, come say hi. Now he's He back. just sat down, spread his back toes, and looked, looked in between them. He's biting his own toe right now, like gnawing on it. I've never like, met a cat like Jack. Jack's ass. the coolest cat ever. Like, you think Jack Sparrow's cool from Pirates of the Caribbean? You should meet Jack ass the cat. Those are some pretty good one cool things. I didn't actually explain what my one cool thing is. You, you, this website helps you find great coffee near you. So like, it recognizes your location. Like coffee time. Yeah, exactly the opposite of finding good coffee locations. Like Seven Eleven, one dollar coffee. Ugh, that's like stomach pains happening. The the acidity level and the tar that's just going into your system with that. Amazing. Um, Jack is ready to take over our Jack lives. wants us to wrap this shit up. Oh, I thought, I thought we were going to have to, like, wrap. I thought you wanted to wrap for a second. Oh, no. So now we're going to make Philippe wrap as we exit out. This is our outro. Take it away, Philippe. That's a wrap. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Writing skills on point. Jack, you're so annoying. You were so good for, like... 43 of those minutes. <laughs>